0: time for coffee with the chicken ladies a podcast for people who love chickens
1: hey everybody and welcome it's christine holly from coffee with the chicken ladies we're here and this is episode 116 of our podcast where we talk about everything chicken family fun and more chickens more chickens we drink a ton of coffee i'm talking a ton but most
0: importantly... We hug chickens every day. And we kiss them, too. Don't
1: forget. We brew coffee from a little coffee house here in Bel Air, Maryland. Holly Ann, what kind of coffee are we brewing
0: today? Breakfast blend. Even though it's at night, it's Doesn't good. matter. It's still good.
1: <laughs> are you ready to sip some coffee and chat?
0: I am. But first, a word from our sponsor.
1: We have some exciting news to share from our sponsor, Grubly Farms. This
0: month, you can receive 30% off if you're a first-time buyer. I'm a long-time subscriber, and my flock love the healthy, nutritious treats. Orders $40 and more ship-free. If you
1: haven't heard, Grubly's has a fantastic layer pellet and crumble feed. It's packed with
0: plant and insect protein. It's perfect for those picky chickens and ducks. This offer does not apply to subscriptions and cannot be combined with any other discounts.
1: It's a great time to try Grubly Farms if you haven't yet. Use the code CWTCL30 for 30% off your first purchase. Try it today. Okay, so how are you doing?
0: Pretty well. We're getting closer to spring.
1: Right now, as we're recording, it's another one of those like Arctic blasts. So today was not fun, but this episode's coming out on Valentine's Day.
0: We decided to make Valentine's Day our annual Rooster Love Day.
1: It's about loving those roosters.
0: Roosters need a lot of love. They're underappreciated and mistreated, and they need a lot of help.
1: They do need some help. So February 14th, that's when this episode's coming out. So yeah, we've been busy around here. I do have some news. My parents are back at their house. So that's big news for our household. We do miss them though. But it's good that they were able to go back home if they were healthy enough to go back home. So that's what's going on over here. And just a lot of winter chicken care. And we're trying to get through like illnesses in our house. We're finally at a good spot. How are you guys doing over there with that?
0: We're doing okay. We're managing to stay healthy. Winter animal care feels like that's all you do. But so remember a couple of weeks ago, we talked about I ordered a new spinning wheel.
1: Oh yeah, you were talking about that it came.
0: No, that's not what came. Go so ahead. I bought one and you know, got it with all the bells and whistles and it's really neat from a very neat company. And they've not answered any of my emails asking how long it's gonna take to make the wheel. Oh no. Yeah, and it kind of ticked me off a little bit. I mean, I don't mind waiting, but I wanted to know how long I I had to wait. My original wheel just is not functioning very well anymore for the projects I'm trying to do. So long story short, I bought a used one. That's the one that's here with me. And it is really fantastic. It's from a Dutch company called Woolmakers. Nice. The Bliss Wheel. And I am just having a great time spinning like super fine, tiny, tiny lace weight yarn. That's awesome. So
1: you're making mittens and I'm freezing, and that's kind of what's been going on. Yeah, that's about right. Okay, so let's ask everybody, if you're listening to our show and you're loving it, head over to Apple Podcasts and leave us a written review. It does amazing things for the growth of our show, and while you're there, hit that subscribe button. That way you never miss an episode, and it's another great way that you can help our
0: show grow. You can tell a chicken-loving friend or two about the podcast. You can share your favorite episodes on social media. That actually helps us a lot. You can head over to our Etsy shop. Check out the mugs and t-shirts that we have there. You can become a patron of the show, patreon.com slash coffee with the chicken ladies. Check out our levels of membership. And the other thing you can do to help support the show is visit our show notes. Use our affiliate links and discount codes and buy products from our sponsors. Yay! Hey, Chris. Yeah. Do you like subscription boxes? Does
1: it have anything to do with chickens? Of course. Then yeah. Let me take a minute to tell you
0: about the Chicken
1: Love Box. If you love goodies for your chickens and you, you need to go to chickenlove.com.
0: I love the Mega Box. Tons of useful products for my flock and a chicken tea for me. You can't go wrong with a chicken tea. They are so cute and so soft. In the November Box, I absolutely love that glass rooster cutting board and the woven chicken tea towel.
1: I adore those Santa chicken hats and scarves and I cannot wait to hang those chicken
0: ornaments up on my chicken tree. Boxes start at $39 a month. They ship immediately after your order and shipping is always free. Such a great deal. Don't wait.
1: Get off the nest and click already. Use the code CWTCL50 for 50% off your first box of a three-month subscription or more. That's chickenlove.com. That's chickenluv.com. Get your subscription
0: today. Have you heard of Strong Animals Chicken Essentials? They make natural supplements for your flock. Strong Animals has used plant-based products and natural
1: approaches to promote the health and vitality of backyard flocks. Their products contain organic essential oils, prebiotics, and other natural ingredients to support the immune system and digestive health. Give your chicks and chickens what they need to thrive with Strong Animals health products. Visit GetStrongAnimals.com
0: today. The Breed Spotlight is brought to you by Murray McMurray Hatchery defining quality for generations. For over a century, Murray McMurray Hatchery has remained a trusted family-owned business, working tirelessly to ensure our poultry meet the highest standards.
1: Whether you are an experienced enthusiast or just embarking on the journey, look to McMurray Hatchery for guaranteed quality rare and heritage breeds, low minimums, and all the supplies you need to raise your flock. Request a free catalog today.
0: Bum, 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 bum. Time for the Breed Spotlight. Yeah. Yeah? That was a giant. Oh, is that what that was? You were a giant. So this week's Breed Spotlight is? If you have not already guessed, it is the Jersey Giant. 2.0. So we're looking back at them, and it's one of Holly's favorite breeds. I really, really love them. They're beautiful, and they have great personalities. The Jersey Giant is the largest breed of chicken in the world. Hence the name, Giant. Hence the name, yes. The melee can be taller in some instances, but melees tend to average like 9 or 10 pounds, while Jersey Giant Roos can easily weigh between 10 and 15 pounds. They're the next thing biggest to a turkey. That's a lot of bird right there. That's a big bird. That's a lot of bird to hold in that arm. So if you are new to the show, the rooster that crows at the start of our podcast, that was my Jersey Giant Rooster, Ricardo Montalban. He passed away a few years ago from a heart attack. He was enormous. He stood about two feet high, you know, so melee height. Right. And he weighed 15 pounds on the day he passed away. That is a big bird. For sure. The Jersey Giants themselves were developed as and are still used today as a dual purpose breed. Jersey Giants are beautiful chickens, especially if you get to see a whole flock of them in the sun. It's just stunning.
1: They're all black with that beautiful green sheen on the feathers. And there's something to say about simplistic beauty. And That's kind of what they are.
0: It's very elegant. They do come in a couple of other colors, but black is by far the most common color that you're going to find. For sure. They are an American heritage breed, and you will find them in the American class in the American Poultry Association standard of perfection. The Livestock Conservancy currently has them in the watch category of the poultry conservation list. They do. What colors do they come in?
1: Let's go through this. So They have the famous black.
0: White. Blue. And Splash.
1: Some of the chick lists I've seen, like the Jersey Giants and the Splash now. But here's the thing. They're so large, so you have to know what you're getting into with this bird. You have to have accommodations for them, both in your coops and in your runs. They're large, large birds.
0: They have a straight comb. And sometimes the roosters can have really, really big combs and waddles. And they have red faces. Slate-colored legs. And one of the cutest details about them. The soles of their feet are yellow. That's cute. It's really cute, especially when they're chicks. So they have this broad, blocky body and a deep breast. They are very large. They mature slowly and they can take a long time to fill out their frame. Their first year, you know, you're going to have this tall bird that's not enormous. They'll slowly put the weight on their frame.
1: I kind of feel like that's how our Jubilee Orpingtons are right now. It's like I was a little worried at first, but they're like a bigger frame fluff they feel a little more bony to me. And with larger breeds, you're going to have that within the first
0: year. I feel like my coach and Emma is also a slow grower. Yeah. She's really slowly gaining the size.
1: Well, it's the ones that have all the feathers. They look heavy. And then when you pick them up, you're like, huh, they're not that heavy. Yeah. Um, yeah. And the Jersey Giants are in that same category.
0: Well, what's our average rooster weight?
1: Roos are going to come in at about 13 to 15 pounds. Yeah. Ricardo was on the larger end of the weight scale. And hens are 8 to 10 pounds. That's very, very large for a hen.
0: I mean, yeah. beyond. Yeah, Now, I do have three Jersey hens. Esther is physically the biggest. Agatha Christie's not quite as big, but she's nice and heavy. And then Ruthie's a little smaller. That's their ideal weight. I feel like some lines of hens from some hatcheries are not close enough to breed standard size-wise. But when we get to the end of this, we're going to tell you a hatchery where you can get them.
1: I tend to agree with you. I think there's a lot of overbreeding in some places, and then they lose the breed standard in weight and height and other things. That is a big problem when you overbreed. It definitely happens.
0: So the usual black, white, blue genetics apply here. The white Jersey Giant was a natural sport of the black. So it was a natural mutation and it just showed up. And then when you breed the black and white together, you get the blue Jersey Giants. And what's the other one you get that we love so the much? Splash. Yeah. So the Jerseys were admitted to the APA standard of perfection in black in 1922, the white in 1947, and the blue had to wait all the way until 2003. Wow.
1: That's a long time.
0: It is. The splash is not currently an accepted color, but man, is it beautiful.
1: Yeah. Like I said, they're more popular now, even in the farm supply stores in the different colors.
0: Yeah. So Bellman's of Westminster near us, they have both blue and splash Jersey Giants this year on their chick list. I
1: think that's where I saw it on their list Mm -hmm, because I follow them on Facebook or whatever, and their list came up on my feed
0: and I saw it on there. Yep. So interestingly enough... If you look in the 1890s Standard of Perfection, if you happen to have a copy of the 1890s Standard of Perfection lying about.
1: I don't, but my bestie does.
0: Yeah, because <laughs> she's a real book geek. In there, you'll find a bird called the Jersey Blue. The Jersey Blue is not the same bird as the Jersey Giant. They're very different. Apparently, the Jersey Blue went extinct oh. at some point. Yeah, I hate that. So if you do happen to be as much of a geek as I am, and you have the 1890s standard of perfection lying about, and you see that bird, it is not the Jersey Giant.
1: Were they also large? Or did it give any standard of perfection in there?
0: I'd have to pull it off the shelf and look again, but they were definitely not the size of the Jersey Giant. Okay. So somewhere in the 1870s or 1880s, John and Thomas Black, they were a pair of brothers who ran a business supplying the New York and Philadelphia markets with roasters. They started working on a heavier bird. They were in an area of Burlington County, New Jersey that saw a lot of farming for the meat market, and there was great demand for bigger birds. So the Black Brothers started crossing Black Javas, Dark Brahmas, and Black Langshans.
1: No wonder you like
0: this bird. Right? If you know me, you know those are three breeds I love. So at first, and this is often the case with breed development, at first there was no standard appearance, but other farmers in and around New Jersey started to obtain breeding stock and breed them. I found several ads in early poultry journals selling breeding stock. And there was one in the 1920s that mentioned rosecomb giants. So even though the Jersey giant, as we know it, was accepted into the standard of perfection in 1922... In 1920s, there were still people breeding a rose comb version of the Jersey Giant. I feel like most of the American breeds- There's a rose comb. Americans love those rose combs. So once the breeds started to have a more uniform appearance, various breeders started showing them. And it seems like they were showing them as a means of promoting them to the public. Because I think going to a chicken show was a thing.
1: Yeah, like fanciness. It was a place to go.
0: Yes, So it sounds like not only did taking the birds to shows promote them with the public, it promoted them with the show community as well, because all of a sudden, Jersey Giants were super popular with all the chicken fanciers. Now, several sources say that the Black Brothers' original goal was to breed a chicken that rivaled the turkey in size.
1: I've read that also.
0: Yeah, you see it in several places. The National Jersey Giant Club, they have a history essay on their website. And I didn't know this. They said that the turkey was dwindling in popularity near the turn of the century, hmm. but it picked back up in the early 20th century, though. And the Jersey Giant obviously never replaced the turkey. No, <laughs> you remember back in our Thanksgiving episode, we were talking about the fact that turkeys didn't fit in the average exactly; pose of it? they were too big. So I wonder yeah. if that had something to do with it or not.
1: Probably. In this day and age, the refrigerators are bigger and bigger and you can fit them in and the freezers and everything else. In the but ovens. Back yeah. in the day, there was no place to keep something so massive. Right. So, you know, coming up with this chicken to kind of take its place as a large chicken, but not quite as large as the turkey kind of made more sense for them at that time.
0: Yeah, it did. So the Jersey Giant, sometimes you'll see it called the Black Giant. It was named after the Black Brothers, the Black Giant, even right. though it's primarily a black bird. They were super popular with Americans through, I would say, most of the 20th century until the post-war period. So if you look at early poultry journals, they are filled with ads for chicks for sale, Jersey Giants for sale or trade. And my favorite are notices about which farms had the most important Jersey Giant bloodlines. <laughs> <laughs> and people got really serious about showing them for a while.
1: They're definitely a pretty bird.
0: So if you're wondering about their temperament, they are friendly chickens with a gentle laid back personality. They are nice. They're a little chatty, which is nice. The hens are great in a mixed flock. Oh, yeah.
1: Yours do fantastic. I mean, you've had all different kinds of birds in with them and they don't seem to have a problem. They don't use their size for advantage. They tend to just
0: be sweet and like to be in a mixed flock. They really are. They're really nice girls. And I guess that's no surprise given their foundation breeds. I thought this was interesting. In the most recent APA, Standard of Perfection, they note that some dark Cornish has also been bred into the Jersey Giant bloodlines in recent times. Hmm, I thought that was interesting. For the meat side of it, I guess. I would guess so. I mean, maybe to try to put some size back into them if they were slipping in size. I personally don't see it, but then I don't know. Maybe that's right. in the show ring. So I
1: think if you go to the show rings, you're probably going to see a little different look of all the birds because they're bred for perfection where backyard and just the chicks you get in the farm supply store are not bred for perfection. They're bred to be backyard chickens. So yeah, yeah, I think we would be surprised if we went to see it. That's still on our list to do.
0: I think that could be a really dangerous rabbit hole to slide into.
1: (laughs) Yeah, for sure. Okay, so the girls are decent layers of large, medium brown eggs, and you're gonna get about three to four a week or so. And then it's gonna start to go down as it does with all chickens with age. You're saying your girls are going on six and they're still laying a few eggs every now and then for you.
0: Yeah, I would say my girls laid really, really well. I mean, obviously it slowed down a little bit, but they were still laying well until they reached their fifth year, then it slowed down even more. And this year so far, I've gotten a couple, but it's February. It's early. They're considered winter layers, meaning they start laying again in January and February. But I wouldn't expect that from a senior hen.
1: Yeah. And all of us who have older hens, my Bubbles, who is eight, they live out their life with us and just have fun. They did their work, right? Exactly. It's a
0: bonus present if you get an egg, but I don't expect them. Exactly. So jerseys will go broody. My ruthie has gone broody before. They do go broody. They make good mothers. I never let mine hatch. But if you're looking for a broody breed to hatch, say your leghorn eggs, Jersey Giants could be a good way to go. They could be.
1: Now you were talking about having a Jersey Giant rooster in a mixed flock to kind of be careful with that. The size differential. So even if you have a standard size, say if you have a leghorn, a Mediterranean who's only four pounds with a 15 pound rooster... They could hurt another hen and not mean to, but that's where you have a problem. You have to have comparable sizes. If you get a rooster, he has to kind of stay with his own, to be honest with you, or another large breed chicken
0: like you said, it could be a standard size bird and still not a big bird. I would keep a Jersey giant rooster with the really big hens. I would not risk any smaller bodied hens with them. So we're talking like Orpingtons. Jersey giants and large breed chickens. Exactly. Nothing, no
1: Mediterranean's,
0: no smaller sizes. Yeah. I mean, they wouldn't mean to hurt them, but they easily could. They can take the cold with that body mass. So they can stand some cold. But they have large combs and waddles on the boys, and they can get severe frostbite. You also want to make sure they're not in a place where if they're laying down, their toes aren't covered. Right. Because they can get frostbite on their toes very easily.
1: We're hearing so many stories these days. Poor chickens, so many of them losing their toes. So just be careful.
0: And because they're so big, in the summer, they need plenty of shade, cool water, and fans. They definitely do. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Normally, I would say that Jersey Giants would be an awesome homestead breed, but you have to take something into consideration. Because of their size, you cannot have them jumping down from high roosts or surfaces.
1: Yeah, 15 pounds. And if they're coming down on a hard surface, that could be a broken leg, a torn ACL, lots of different things. So having different roosts at different levels, especially if you have birds that are larger together, having a lower one is a good idea.
0: Yeah, ladders, ramps, that sort of thing. And they can very easily injure themselves. And the other thing they can do is cause abrasions on their foot pads. And that is an invitation for Bumblefoot.
1: Good old Bumblefoot. There's so much
0: Bumblefoot out there. It's just crazy. <laughs> really is. I know. The Jerseys are great farm and garden helpers, though. I mean, they'll really clean out a winter bed in no time. They are happy to spend hours turning over your compost pile.
1: Just because they're giant doesn't mean that it's a bad thing. So you just have to have accommodations for them. That's the only thing. Right.
0: That's exactly right. They're gentle and friendly and they're really great for showing. They're great as pets, great to add to your layer flock. The only thing I can say about them is you need to make some accommodations for their size. Other than that, they're just a fantastic bird to have around. There's no downside.
1: Yeah, just make sure that you are purchasing or building a coop that's big enough to hold them and everything just has to be at a bigger scale.
0: So where do you get Jersey Giants? McMurray! So McMurray Hatchery has very nice lines of both black and white Jersey Giants. Nice. You can get them as sex pullets. We have a local feed store that does get the blue and the splash giant chicks in, and they're so pretty. Yeah, and the mill hasn't gotten
1: their chick list yet, so we won't know about them yet. I know, man. They're late. They are late. Okay, so if you have Jersey Giants, flood our DMs with your pictures. We would love to see them. We want to give some stories out, and we'd love to see your chickens.
0: If you're looking for a chicken coop that's produced in a planet-friendly, sustainable way, try Nestera.
1: Each coop is made from highly durable, 100% recycled plastic that keeps the equivalent of up to 2,000 shampoo bottles out of a landfill.
0: Their clean, modern design will fit into any garden or run area and comes with an industry-beating 25-year warranty and a range of handy accessories. Simple to put together, so quick and easy to clean, and most importantly, red mite
1: resistant. Your chickens will love it. Quick shipping from
0: Amazon.com or Nestera.us.
1: Use our code CWTCLP10 for 10% off. Check them out today. Roosty's proudly sponsors Coffee with the Chicken Ladies. If you're
0: raising chicks or keeping chickens, take a look at Roosty's store on Amazon.com. We've personally tested their products and we're huge fans. They have their famous nesting pads, those fantastic chick water and feeder kits, do-it-yourself port feeder kits, water nipple, and water cup kits. And you don't even need to drive to the stores. They're all available for prime delivery on Amazon.com. Visit Amazon.com and check out the Roostie's range or follow the link in our show notes.
1: Okay, so let's move on to main topic. Yeah. Yeah. It's Valentine's Day. So we thought we would send some love to the roosters out there. So we have a special guest that's joining us at our roundtable this week to talk about everything you need to know about roosters. Kelly Rakowski is here today from Poultry DVM. Welcome,
2: Kelly. How are you doing? You are a friend of us and a friend of the show. Hello. Thank you guys for having me and having me talk about my favorite topic, rooster.
0: <laughs> this show is all about rooster love. We love those boys. That's so- why we
2: have the hashtag
1: rooster sexy. <laughs> That's right, rooster
0: sexy. <laughs> Haven't used that one in a while. We need to try we rooster have sexy back out. That was reserved for good old Ricardo. So very quickly, we're going to remind all of our listeners, both the experienced listeners and those of you who are new to chicks, the importance of a rooster plan. Chris, what's a rooster plan? If I get a rooster, you're taking them. (laughs) (laughs) Is there a
1: smile on my face right now? (laughs) I had to make that joke. Okay, so let's talk about a rooster plan. (laughs) If you don't get point of lay chickens or you don't get an older chicken that you already know is a girl, you have at least a 10% chance of getting a boy. If you buy chicks from a feed store or from a hatchery, they are usually sexed by a professional. But there is always a small margin of error of about 10%. So you have the possibility of getting a boy in with your girls. So if you have a rooster plan, if by chance you do get one, you know what you're going to do. And I joke around because forever, because we all know that Holly and I have known each other for 40 years, I have said she is my rooster plan.
0: Again, she does not have a smile on her face. I just need to point out that I have 11 roosters right now. So what Um, would be 12? My heavens. (laughs) The other thing, and this is really important because hatching has become very popular. If you are hatching eggs, you have a 50 to 60% chance that you are going to hatch cockerels. That's even higher, man. And so you need to have a plan in advance What you're going to do with your birds, you cannot just go dump them behind the TSC. That is just inhumane and not acceptable. Or, like
1: someone said to me at a party and they thought they were being cute, they knew somebody that was putting them behind the Home Depot. Who does this (gasps) stuff? Inhumane. Stop doing this, please.
0: Knowing what you are going to do with your cockerels, it's your plan whether you have some place to rehome them, whether you're going to keep them in a bachelor flock like I do but we're going to talk about a bachelor flock with Kelly. She's the expert on setting up a bachelor flock. And we're going to tell you this now. And at the end of the segment, Kelly does online seminars for how to set up and maintain a bachelor flock. They're fantastic. And so the upcoming webinars on creating a bachelor flock are March 8th and 9th at 10 a.m. You can do either or. Is that correct, Kelly? Yes. So we're going to have sign up links in our show notes. And we'll remind you again of that at the end of the segment. So there's your rooster plan. Make sure you have it in place. There's no wrong answer to a rooster plan as long as it's not something inhumane.
1: Right. If you know of somebody that takes roosters or if you know of a farm, rehoming is the best, but you have to know what you're going to do. If you just go in with blinders on, it's going to be way more stressful. So know what you're going to do before you get a rooster so that it's not stressful when it happens.
2: Be wary of anyone who is very keen on taking your rooster, who is overly like, oh, I'll take them. Because there's such a problem with roosters, anyone that's a little overeager, or it seems too good to be true, it most likely is, and they probably are getting them to eat them. Or another thing that can commonly happen is people just kind of throw them all out and let them get eaten by predators, or they attack each other if there's too many. So yeah, basically be wary of those two things. It's so sad. It if breaks it, my heart.
0: As in all things, if it seems too good to be true, it probably is. Yeah.
1: The other day, I was helping a friend of mine who had a stray rooster end up in her backyard at her door, and she was feeding him and she was checking everybody, and she came to me for help, and we reshared his story, and all these people are like, "I'll take him. I'll take him." It's like, be wary. Why are you going to take him? Interview him before you let him go. Yes, yeah,
0: absolutely. It, it, I've seen all kinds of heinous things. The thing that's come to my attention recently is that people are using them as bait for teaching hawks how to hunt. Oh. Yeah. So don't just give your rooster to anyone if you need to place them. And obviously, the best solution is keeping them yourself if you can. Sometimes you have a neighbor problem or you have a a homeowner's association that won't allow you to keep them. But if you do want to keep a rooster, it can be a great addition to your flock. Kelly, what are some of the advantages to keeping boys in your flock?
2: Well, the thing is roosters actually, I really do believe, help make the hens happier. They take care of them. They wait on them. They find them treats and called tidbiting. They all come running and eat the treats. They help look out for potential predators and then the hens can go high. Now, they're not going to be able to defend against the predators, however. So a lot of people sometimes mention they want to get a rooster to help protect their flock. Now, a rooster will alert them of danger, but they are no match to a coyote, a dog, basically anything.
1: (laughs) That's a really good point, and we see it a lot. We hear people, I want a rooster to protect my hens. Or basically, they're the sacrifice for the hens. They will alert. They're the alert system. They are not fighters.
0: And that's the sad thing. They have so much heart that they'll try to fight. And they're not going to win those fights. And if they do win those fights, it's luck. They're going to run out of luck eventually. So yeah. I totally agree with you. They have such huge hearts and they're such sweethearts. I just hate to see roosters sacrificed that way.
2: Kelly, yeah. you were telling us about some normal rooster behaviors. They do things like they'll help the hens when they have an issue, like you know, looking for the, a right place to lay their egg. They will go stand by them and like support them. I mean, it's adorable. These things are adorable to watch. And you don't get to see them unless you have a rooster and watch these interactions. And it makes you really fall in love with them because how sweet they are. They have a bad reputation and a lot of people think that they're, you know, mean and scary, but they're not. And the thing is they're like basically born to look after these hens. Like that is what they love to do. And so if you just let them do that and understand that this is what their mentality is, it also helps you be able to handle future issues, which may arise as well. There's so many advantages to having a research. Oh, and another one is if you have hen-on-hen drama, like sometimes people complain about the hens kind of like getting bullying with one another and stuff. Having a rooster helps mitigate that. There will still be a little bickering between them all, but it it won't be as bad. They're a good mediator.
1: What happens is people come in and roosters are doing their natural behaviors, which is to look after the girls. That's why they tend to come after you when you come in to take care of them. You're coming in for their girls. He's not mean. It's protective behavior. There's a lot of confusion and gray area between those two things.
0: Have you ever heard that saying, a person's weaknesses are just their strengths overdone? Well, I kind of feel like it's the same for the rooster. They're going after your kid. They don't understand that your kid is your child. All they know is it's something that's not much bigger than them that's making scary noises and freaking out the hens. I mean, they're smart things, but there's a limit to their brain power.
2: Yeah. And not every rooster will do that is the thing too. I mean, there are some that are more protective than others. And there's also a factor of like how you raise them as well and how you deal with when you start to see signs of that. Because if you nip it in the butt early, it doesn't escalate.
1: One more thing is there is a time between a few months old and a year and a half when the hormones are at their height. Now the hormones will start to come down and they will actually, after a year and a half, start to calm down themselves. So let's give some suggestions, some nice kind things that we can do to work with our
2: roosters when they're maxed out on hormones. Before that happens, like when they're little, I feel like everyone should be comfortable enough to be able to pick up the rooster. Honestly, it's easier for me to pick up roosters than it is hens because the hens always kind of run away, but the roosters just stand around and you just pick them up. And I feel like this is like a a necessity because be able to do that is what's going to really help later on because that whole process of being able to just pick them up when something happens will be able to help him learn that you're not the bad guy. Something I recommend to people a lot is also to hand feed your roosters. Instead of just scattering treats on the ground, you have them. So they have to accept the food in your hand because that's what the hens do with the roosters. They accept their food. So it's like a way of communicating. So if you are able to get them to accept food from you, they are basically accepting that you are a part of their flock and ahead of them because they're accepting it from you. Right. And then the other thing is going back to the whole pick them up thing. What I do is as soon as any of them start to try, even look, I become prepared to where they are, always knowing where they are around you. Yeah. Like Because the biggest thing is their element of surprise, because sometimes you'll be doing something you don't even, you're like, oh, out of the blue, they came. If there is a time period where he is being a little bit extra wary of you, if you just keep where he is at all times, because he's going to keep an eye on you. So your advantage is if you keep an eye on him. And then you'll be able to anticipate when he comes to you, then you just pick him up right then and there and then hold him. Once he comes down, put him down. He'll probably try to go at you again, pick him up, walk away a little bit, because when you walk away, it makes him want to go back to the hen. And then when you set him back down, he'll more than likely be more inclined to go back to the hens instead of going at you. But then if he goes at you again, pick him up, do it again, go further and just kind of repeat this process. Basically, every time you're out there, you want to keep an eye on him and repeat this process. And if you do that and you're diligent about it, he will stop. It has to be repetitive. You have to like do it all the time. Because yeah. it's like training a dog not to poop on a couch or not <laughs> jump on people in the, when they walk in the door. I mean, it's the same fundamentals kind of thing is just repetition and positive reinforcement as well. Because if they like being held by you, and then sometimes you can give them treats and you put them back down. He won't be as wary about you and stuff. But you do also need to just, like you said before, is keep in mind that their hormones will decrease with age and it's going to be spiking in the spring. And then just taking measures to kind of, if you're wary about your children, just put the rooster up while the children are around. For example, there's different things you can do other than just, oh, I need to get rid of him. He's mean. He's aggressive. I need to get rid of him, which is what annoys me a lot when I hear people say that. And the other thing is labeling him that way also makes it very difficult for him to find a home because just because he's quote unquote aggressive with you doesn't mean he's like that. It doesn't mean he's aggressive. It doesn't mean he's going to be the same way with other people. Other people may know what to do more. It may be a different management style as well. You could also just put him in a bachelor flock. And then that's not an issue either because then he's not defending the hens. And so I feel like there's always a solution And killing is never the answer. I feel like every animal should have a chance to be able to live their life and shouldn't be punished for doing something that they genetically are programmed to do.
0: It's not a one and done process. You can't just pick your rooster up once and expect that he's going to have the boundaries. I think your hand feeding suggestion is brilliant because it's just like any other animal that you're working with. You don't need to fight that animal for dominance. You need to come in as already the dominant person in this relationship. And exactly. dispensing feed reinforces that, getting them to eat out of your hand. My nan, Ken George, will occasionally lose his mind. He flies really high because he's so light, but occasionally he'll fly and act like he's going to spur me. He never gets near me. So I scoop him up and I do exactly that. We walk away and we have a little chat and a hug session. And then I'll let him down. And every single time he will run straight back to his hens.
1: Holly and I have been talking about this, and something else that you do, which strikes me as great, is you wait until at night when they're on the roost, you take him out away from the ladies, and you can take him away from the ladies at any time during the day, and that all of a sudden will take that urge to protect them away. So if you keep doing this every day... He's going to, first of all, get to know you. He's going to be away from the girls, So there's going to be no urge to protect. So maybe all these things just help him understand that you're not a threat to the flock. You're the feeder.
0: Oh, yeah. yeah,
2: yeah, completely.
0: Over the years, we've already told the story of Ricardo Montalban, my Jersey Giant rooster. And Ricardo did have some serious aggression issues. If you removed him from his girls, he was a complete teddy bear. He was the sweetest thing ever. All you had to do was take him away from the girls. And we worked with him for a long time. He never got rid of all his habits. But I will say in all my years of keeping chickens and having many, many roosters, he's the only actual aggressive rooster that I ever had.
2: Yeah, you bring up a good point. Yeah. I mean, most of these guys, that behavior does not mean that they're aggressive. I used they- to
1: love going to see Ricardo because Ricardo always had his eye on me. He looked like he was just biting something off the ground. But he was watching me and it yeah. was like his fake technique to act like he was just pecking the ground. So wasn't.
2: sneaky.
0: <laughs> it was He really was like, funny. I got my eye on you. He was a good rooster. He loved his hands. He just took it too far sometimes. It was his strength overdone. But like I said, if we would take him away from his girls for a time out, he was so sweet. And he was the size of a turkey. So just think about sitting down and putting a 15 pound rooster in your lap and having him snuggle down and go to sleep. So sweet.
2: Yeah, I could just be taking a trip with them sometimes, too. Like, I I sometimes take my roosters to the feed store, have to be wary, make sure that they won't fly off. Or put a chicken leash and harness on. (laughs) Or, like, yeah, bring them in and just watch a show, a TV show with them. Giving them a little bit extra special attention away
1: from the girls will help them to trust you more when you're with the girls. So being in there and picking them up around the girls and then taking him out also both in conjunction can help him trust you way more and work on those issues. This isn't personal. This isn't like, oh, my God, I hate that shirt she's wearing. I'm going yeah, after yeah. her today. I'm going to scare her. You know, this is his natural instinct. Yeah.
2: He's not thinking like a human. Like, you need to not right. think like a human. You need to think like a rooster. And that's going to be the key.
0: One of the things that I did with him, if I had to clean the coop or things like that, like you said, roosters don't think like humans. You can have your head in a coop and your butt sticking out and he's going to come and spur you in the back <laughs> of the legs. But one of the other things that usually helped me, and this is a tip I'd picked up from a llama trainer years ago, I would walk into the run and I was suited up. I would have on two layers of pants. I would have on boots and I would not make eye contact and I would not react if he tried to spur me. I would just keep walking. And eventually he would just be like, God, she's badass. I'm not going to try that again. It's a waste of my energy. And it really was very helpful. I didn't engage with him at all. And again, I think that establishes you as the dominant. The minute you yeah. start to fight with an animal, that's when they think, oh, they're part of my flock and I need to subjugate them. The other one
1: I thought that was good, Holly, that you mentioned was the towel. So if you go in with the towel and they come after you, you put the towel over top of them and you pick them up with the towel. Gently, yeah. you gently wrap gently. up. So then, after you wrap him in the towel, you put him down, and you come out, and you come back in, and if he comes after you again, you take the towel over him again gently. They're smart and intelligent. They're going to know, the next time you come in, you're going to put the towel on me and pick me up. You said that it worked. After, like, three, four times, they did
0: nothing. If they start to do it again, if they think you're threatening their hens, say, and they start to charge you, then you can go and get the towel and, say, hang it on your arm or around your neck. And a lot of times, that's enough. They're like, okay. I don't really want to be wrapped in the towel and hugged, so I'm going to back off. None of these are one and done. You have to work with your animals. And coming from a large animal background, I just scratch my head sometimes. There were a couple of rules my mom had when we were kids. You don't walk up to the back of a horse so they can't see you. And you do not turn your back on a mating male animal. Of course, they shouldn't be charging. And of course, if you have a truly aggressive animal, you should maybe don't want to breed them. But the reality is you've got to take some care. You can't expect an animal as intelligent and responsive to their environment as a rooster to just turn this off because you tell them not to do it. It's not like flipping a switch. They're living creatures that are sentient and reactionary, but also very teachable. So like you said, every time you walk in, pick him up, take him for a walk, put him down, do it further and further. And you have to keep reinforcing the behaviors. In fact, you do that with kids, right? Exactly.
1: Like you said, it's going to take time. It's not a one and done. Like I'm not going to pick up a rooster and then he's never going to come at me again. You know that's the thing. So you have to have some patience.
0: So we have some good solutions for working with roosters. I will also note something you don't see a lot for rooster care, but because I keep my roosters and they tend to grow elderly with me, it's a very good thing to find a poultry veterinarian to trim your rooster spurs. I've seen some heinous spur removal tips from people. Oh gosh. Take it to a professional. They know what they're doing. They can find the quick in the spur and keep your rooster trimmed up, healthy, and happy. And here's the
1: thing. You're with three people right now that can help you find a veterinarian if you don't know. So Holly and I, we can help you. And Kelly over at Poultry DVM, she has a whole search engine to help you find a poultry vet. So please contact one of us and we will help you find a veterinarian.
0: Now, let's get into the fun part. If your rooster plan includes keeping your roosters and starting and maintaining a bachelor flock, you are in for the biggest treat because there is nothing sweeter than going into the run with a group of roosters and having them fall all over themselves to get attention from you. It's so sweet. Holly Man. always has little Napoleon on top of her head. He, he flies he on top. He does of sometimes. And Wellington also gets on my head and back a lot. Napoleon, however, is going to live at Mount Vernon. So I won't have him flying on my head anymore. People can go see him. He'll be with his two pullets there. So Kelly, what is your best advice for starting and maintaining a rooster flock?
2: So first of all, I think you need to kind of understand that roosters are going to need more space than hens because they can sometimes be a little bit more active. They really love to perch up on things and You want to try to take more measures to prevent potential issues because although they can get along really great together, you do want to be conscientious about having places they can go to get away from other roosters in case. That's why I love perches. And then also preventing places where they might be able to get stuck. I actually also love webcams on them. That's a good idea. I think every bachelor flock should have a TV in there so
1: they can watch sporting events together.
2: That would be adorable. I think they should watch
0: Shakespearean theater. It would keep them calmer than a sporting event. So Kelly, I'm (laughs) going to paraphrase what you're saying. You might want more space for your bachelor flock. You definitely want a lot of vertical things like roosts, places they can go to get away from each other, and maybe some boredom busters. You don't want them too close and bored because that's where squabbles will break out.
2: Yes. And they can be like your little puzzle toys or just putting something up like a vertical sheet. So it creates like a sense of separation. Some posters of some really pretty heads. On the- that would be hilarious. <laughs> your bachelor pad for your roosters is going to be
0: very, very colorful and interesting place. So we've got space. We've got board and busters and vertical interest, maybe some places for separation. What else do we want to put in place for them?
2: another thing to keep in mind is like perching space is like a big deal with roosters. So you want to make sure you have enough perching area, ideally at the same levels. So they're not bickering over. My um, guess would be
1: a lot of food bowls and water bowls so that they're not fighting over food and water.
2: Yes. Having multiple feet and multiple water helps as well. Even with just a a normal flock, I think that's helpful too, but it's like more important with bachelors just so everyone is able to get water and food and in case, yeah, there's any guardian involved. Another thing is because they have these spurs, having a chain link fence or any kind of fencing that has like enough spaces that's over a half inch. They can get their spurs caught on them and actually they can hang themselves and they can die. So you want to try to eliminate that and keep their spurs trimmed. But even then sometimes they curl out and it's really hard. So I'd say underneath areas where they perch is probably the most important in case they knock each other off. You can put a quarter inch hardware cloth down inside that area. I don't like using half-inch hardware cloth when there are two roosters separated from each other. So if you were to have one flock directly adjacent to another where there's two roosters on each side, I wouldn't use half-inch hardware because they get their beak stuck in that and it can tear off. Yeah. That's why I I think quarter-inch. Excellent point. Yeah. It also keeps mice out.
0: Keeps rodents and everything else out. All of my rooster stories of Ricardo, he was trying to jump on a hen's back to do what roosters do, and he missed... And he went face first into a chain link kennel and tore the side of his beak. I Yeah, I mean, and I repaired it very quickly. I called my vet. He told me what to do. I repaired it very quickly. and He was fine. But if I hadn't been there, he could have snagged it on something else and torn it. If you have never looked at a beak closely, it's like a thicker version of our fingernails and it can tear away from the quick. And when a chicken where they have all those nerve endings around their beak, that would be very painful. So that is an excellent suggestion. Yes, for sure. So you've got your setup. You've got your first batch of boys in there. And let's say you decide to hatch eggs the next year and you've got four new cockerels to introduce. What's the best way to do it?
2: Well, I tend to be very conservative about these guys. I know there's a bunch of different ways, but I'd say my favorite is like, if you had the ability to either section off an area within that space they're living, or have another containment area for them directly next to that area so that they can get to know each other slowly without having direct contact for a while. And then combined with, I like to do these play sessions. I wouldn't necessarily recommend taking them all out at the same time and doing it, but like different roosters, you know, in different combinations, like putting them out together in a space that's neutral and then just like letting them kind of get to know each other slowly. It's like
0: play dates with various individuals within the two flocks to keep it manageable. That's a fantastic idea.
2: Yeah, I I just find that's been the kind of the best way to manage it. If trouble is involved, you can quickly separate them. And if you are to have more involved, you also run the risk of like ganging up. One of the worst things that could happen with them is is ganging up on a single bird. They're going to have to work their pecking order out. And this can be smoothly, depending on the personalities involved. So as long as the other roosters are submissive and accept that the other ones are you know, higher up, then there's usually no issue. Sometimes this may take a while for them to realize, oh, okay, I'm not going to be on top and accept that they're on the bottom. But the goal is when you do these places that they work that out. And in a way that if you being there allows you to help prevent injuries, In the normal world, once one shows submission, the other won't keep attacking. But if a bird has shown a submission and the other one keeps attacking them, that's kind of more the mentality of like a cockfighting bird. There are some cockfighting birds who get along with other, you know, it's not a big deal. But their first instinct, depending on how they've been trained, you know, or the breed, might be to do that. You don't want a bird that's going to kill all the other birds in with them. So I would recommend if that were the case, you would put that bird in with hens instead of roosters.
1: Let's just tell everyone out there the number of hens that you should have to a rooster. This is important also because you don't want to put two roosters in with like four hens. You have to have so many hens per rooster for it all to
2: work. Generally, it's eight to 10 hens per rooster, correct? Well, I know that people use that a lot, but I've had two roosters in with like five hens and it hasn't been a problem. I've had one rooster and one hen. So I really believe it comes down to the personalities of the roosters, because if you're going to have a lot, it's not going to, you know, if they're not going to get along, they're not going to get along. So
1: Um, you're saying that you could try it, you'll know right away if it's not working, and then you'd have to get more hens in with your rooster or move the flocks around at that point.
2: Well, not necessarily. I mean, it it also comes down to the slow introduction. Like I was saying before, I think that's also something that should be done. I had a rooster that fought with all the roosters. He would not get along. I put him in a sectioned area in my run with another rooster and hens so they could see and talk to each other. I was afraid they'd never get along. But after six months, they got along and there was no issue. And it was only five hens and two roosters. So I think it just depends. Now, as a rule, you want to just be wary about adding additional rooster, no matter how many hands you have, just because of the personalities. But because they don't necessarily get along immediately doesn't mean they won't ever get along. But the key is as well is that other rooster needs to show submission to whatever rooster's in charge. And if that happens, it's not a problem. But that's going to be your goal with those. And honestly, you're like one hen, one rooster. Like, I don't feel like... That's what Holly has.
1: Holly has one hen and one rooster together. I do. I have
0: Swedish flower Casper. He has one hen with him. I mean, they're older, but he doesn't overmate her or anything. My nankins, I have three hens in with one rooster. George is excessively polite. Never overmates those girls either. I do agree with you that a lot of this has to do with the personality of each individual rooster. You kind of have to work on that. Like
1: trial and error, try it. It might work. It might not. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Well,
2: and the other thing is roosters tend to have like a favorite hen that they will mate with them. And so it won't really matter if you have a lot in there. That's going to be the favorite. That's why I don't like putting numbers to that. Because I've heard some people like be like all freak out because they're like, oh, I only have four hens. I want to get, you know, a rooster. I'm like, that's fine. <laughs> it's not going to matter. He's going to have a favorite, and that's who he's going right. to mate with. Right. And
0: she may need a hen saddle if he is wearing the yeah, feathers off. Back in the old days, in the dark ages, before you could find all this chicken information on the internet, what I used to hear was, if you are free ranging multiple flocks, you want each rooster to have eight to ten hens. So they don't try to poach each other's girls and start a fight while they're out free ranging. And that makes sense to me. But yeah, in my experience, there's no number attached to it. It's just figure out what works for the rooster and the hens.
2: It is their personalities. Like some are very easygoing about mating. Some might be a little more into it. Yeah. (laughs) Um, yeah. And those are good bachelor flock candidates,
1: actually. I've heard that a lot. Like If you have an over-mater, that's a good candidate for a bachelor flock. You have to watch. And it goes back to treating these guys with the respect they deserve and going past this bad reputation, working with them and just trying the best you can to give them a nice home or find them a nice home.
2: Yeah. I love my roosters. I love them so much. I love all roosters. As much as I love hens, I think racers are sweeter and <laughs> I get along with them more because they, they just have so much personality, they have so much heart, they're just gentlemen. The little hearts are so big and I feel bad because a lot of people don't see that because they have been told, oh, they're mean or they just don't even you give them a chance. I just wish more people would open their hearts to them and be able to just spend time like what you guys were suggesting before, take them out, spend some one-on-one time. And you might really realize that they are wonderful. Another thing is, you know, you're talking about things you can do if you can't keep a rooster outside is keep them inside as a house chicken. A lot of people are doing that these days. It's like a new trend.
1: It totally is. Like the rooster is the new house chicken.
0: They're such good housemates. I can't say enough about how wonderful. If you have the setup where you can have a rooster as a house chicken, do it, do it, do it.
2: Yes, because they're so much fun. you know people are kind of worried, oh, they poop everywhere. Well, guess what? They have diapers. So you can put diapers on them if you want, if that worries right. you. However, I find their poops very small and it's not a big deal. And, you know, you could just put a towel down. All
1: the modern conveniences for the chickens these days, the chicken is the new house pet and backyard pet. You hear so many roosters going in as house chickens and it's amazing. It's awesome. I love it. Just make sure that if you have other animals like cats and dogs that they're acclimated very well, they get along because they could definitely hurt or kill your rooster. So you have to make sure that works. It's so fascinating. I just want us to give the respect to the rooster and give them a chance. And I think that we've given everybody some good strategies today or some good things that you can try if this happens to you. If you get a rooster, it's not the end of the world. I got to say that to myself too. It's not the end of the world and everyone's just going to have to understand ways to work with them. But Kelly, thank you so much.
0: Thank you for having me. We love when you visit us on the show. So just a reminder, if you're interested in setting up a bachelor flock and learning more rooster skills with Kelly, she has two webinars. One is March 8th at 10 a.m. The next one is March 9th at 10 a.m. And we have a sign up link in our show notes. If
1: you're thinking at all to do a bachelor flock, you want to sign up for this webinar. Kelly is the best when it comes to roosters. And
2: that's why she's here at the table with us today. The first one is starting a bachelor flock. The second one is dealing with quote-unquote aggressive roosters. I kind of offer in that one, if anyone has a rooster that they really, after doing everything I suggest, just don't want to keep them, if you let me know and you've actually done everything I suggest, I will help you find him a home. Nice. So it's like a win-win. You know, he doesn't have to go to a bad home and you may actually find that the stuff I suggest works. It's not set in stone if you don't initially get along. Right. they exactly. can work with them. It's just going about it the right way, being repetitive and trying the desire to want to try. And I if it. I see that, I will help you.
0: That's amazing. That is a fantastic offer right there. Just remember that your roosters are not a commodity. They're not a robot. You can work with them. They're living beings and it might surprise you how much you fall in love with them.
1: Yeah. Well, thank you again, Kelly. We'll see you next time on our round table. We'll talk to you later. Thanks.
0: Bye guys. we just want to thank kelly one more time for coming on the show and acting as our rooster guru i always learn something from kelly she's so good
1: okay so let's move on to cracking the eggs cracking those eggs today's recipe is
0: chocolate strawberry sweetheart cake
1: because it's valentine's day yeah are you making this for
0: Pete? why yes i am (laughs) So it's a basic chocolate two-layer cake, you know, nice and moist and rich and delicious. The filling is essentially cream cheese or dairy-free cream cheese mixed with powdered sugar and strawberry jam. So you're going to have your standard cake ingredients, right?
1: Okay, so let's list these. One and three quarters cups of all-purpose flour or gluten-free flour. Three quarters of a cup of unsweetened cocoa powder one and a quarter teaspoons of baking soda and a half teaspoon of baking powder because we need this rise and this is what's going to give it to us. A half a teaspoon of salt, two cups of sugar, two large eggs, a half a cup of vegetable oil, which is in place of butter. a butter, teaspoon of vanilla and a cup of whole milk or oat milk or some sort of plant milk creamy. some sort. So those are the ingredients for your
0: cake. So you're going to get two eight inch layer cake pans ready. I just spray them. Yeah. It's the easiest thing. Sometimes
1: I do the Crisco and the flour because I find that if I don't, it sticks
0: for me a little bit more. I have not had trouble with sticking and I don't know if that's because I have gluten-free flour. Maybe. I'm not sure. But if you know that you have pans that cake stick in, then spray and flour it. If not, yep. just spray it. Sometimes they
1: have that spray. It's like the flour spray. It's easy
0: to do too. What was that, Baker's Secret or something like that? Something
1: like that, yeah.
0: So in a medium-sized bowl, you're going to whisk all your dry ingredients together. You're going to take the large bowl. That's going to get your sugar, eggs, oil, and vanilla. Mix it until it's smooth. And then you add the flour mixture and that cup of milk. You're going to mix that until it's blended. Pour it in the pans and bake it for about 30 or 35 minutes till a tester comes out clean.
1: I love using my handy-dandy tester. I use it all the time on cakes on this cake, I always use a hand mixer. It just makes it easier.
0: Yeah. I have a KitchenAid stand mixer, but I have a nice small KitchenAid, the handheld mixer. Yeah. Yeah. I
1: like having both because for the cakes, I like the hand mixer for some reason. Maybe it's because that's the way I was brought up. My mom would always take the little beaters off and we'd each get a beater, my brother and I to lick after she did. the We did
0: it too. It's funny. We did it too. Or if you were really lucky, you got the spoon in the bowl. And mom always made cakes in this great big Pyrex bowl. It was a brown pattern. So you're going to let this cool. And the first thing you're going to make, once your cake is cooled, you're going to make the strawberry icing. Okay. So it is a cup of powdered sugar, four ounces of cream cheese, and three tablespoons of strawberry jam. Mix it all together, fill the cake with it, spread it in there, and then just put the other cake layer on top. Then you need to make your chocolate icing, which is... Half of a cup of shortening, and I use Spectrum Organic shortening. You can use whatever you want. That's just what I use for my baking. Two cups of powdered sugar, three quarters of a cup of cocoa, and a teaspoon of vanilla. You're going to blend that all together and And just frost the cake. Put it on the cake. It's really a simple cake to make. The icing is easy to make. When you put it all together in one package, it is so good.
1: And it's Valentine's Day, so what's better on Valentine's Day than a chocolate cake with strawberries?
0: You could decorate it really pretty. You could put chocolate covered strawberries
1: on the top. Or you could do like little heart candies on top. Oh, yeah. If you like a little crunch or sprinkles. I like taking the molds of a heart and filling it with the sprinkles and then taking the mold off and you got like a heart on top. I you do can that get all the super time.
0: fancy and you could do a heart and then you could put a chicken over top of the heart. I could do just do a chicken now
1: because I got all my cookie cutters and that are. Chicken.
0: That's true. Just some sprinkle shaped chickens on your Valentine's exactly cake. exactly. See, it's a great cake. It only uses two eggs, which is great since your girls may just be coming in delay. If you make it, we'd love to see photos of it. Send us some pictures. Let us know if you like it, and we're gonna move on to
1: retail therapy. Retail therapy. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So this week's retail therapy, we're talking about Delectables Jewelry. Okay. So this week's retail therapy, we're doing Delicacies Jewelry. Now it's a little more higher end, but it's Valentine's Day. So that's why we're throwing this out there. This is a company where you can get chicken and egg earrings and pendants.
0: So they make jewelry based on various foods, vegetables, things like that. Yeah, it's um, cool. And- they sell sets of earrings. For instance, you can buy a sterling silver set of earrings. One's a chicken, one's an egg. <laughs> so cute. They're really cute. And they have a lot of other things too. They have all kinds of other foodstuffs. And it's amazing how pretty they make these.
1: It is. Now, the earrings are on sale right now for the egg and the chicken. And it's like $44 for a pair of earrings. That's not terrible. It's a little bit more pricey, but if you're looking for Valentine's Day gifts, it might be something to tell the partner in your life that you may want.
0: Right. Now, these start with the sterling silver. They have gold plated. They have 14 karat gold. And some of them you can get with diamonds. They have a 14 karat white gold with diamonds, and it's
1: an egg pendant, and it's $2,600. Now, that's a splurge.
0: That's a little majorly. bit of a little <laughs> bit of a splurge, I'd say so, yeah. But it's
1: beautiful, and it might just be, hey, let's look it up and look how pretty it is on the computer, and that's kind of what we're doing, but it's very, very pretty. Now, you could also get yellow gold-plated chicken earrings for $40, and that's not too bad. I mean, if you they- want the chicken
0: earrings. They do have some good sales on here sometimes. So they make necklaces, earrings, bracelets, rings, and cufflinks. They also have some sets like you can buy. There's a baker set. So what's in the baker set? The baker set is an egg and a sheaf of wheat. I love it. It's so yeah. cute. That's really great. And, you know, there are things like basil or I think there might be a donut actually too.
1: (laughs) There's a lot. There's a lot. lot. So it's one of those websites where you can go and have fun. I always say this, if you need a five minute vacation and you just want to look up some pretty jewelry that you might want to put on your list, there's chicken in there. So you can find something you may like.
0: We'll have the link on our show notes, or you can just visit delicaciesjewelry.com. It's fun.
1: Okay, so let's tell everybody what we're going to be talking about next week.
0: Next week's Breed Spotlight is a listener request. We are revisiting the Sicilian Buttercup. Yay! Love that bird. Main topic, we are chatting with Sean and Patrick of Grubly's. They're going to tell us all about the science of formulating your chicken's food.
1: I think that's some information that we really need right now.
0: That's quite timely. Cracking the eggs, we're going to make something that sounds ridiculous but is ridiculously good. That's a spaghetti frittata. Sounds good to me. And Retail Therapy, we're going to be talking about all the various insect-based offerings from Grubblies. It's going to be fun. So what should we tell everybody to do
1: until next week?
0: Hug your chickens.
1: Every day and kiss them too. We'll talk to
0: you next week. Bye-bye. Bye. If you'd like to see more of us, please follow us on Instagram at Coffee with the Chicken Ladies. If you'd like to help us grow the podcast, please leave us a written review on Apple Podcasts. If you'd like to become a patron of the show, please visit our Patreon page, patreon.com slash coffee with the chicken ladies. Thanks for listening.